Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 6, 2016. Today we're reading from the Big Book, and we're at uh, page 20, paragraph, the third paragraph. Um, and today's readers are Renata G., Michelle H. and Linda R., <clears throat> let me give you the uh, reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, January 5th. That reference number is 8358. That's 8358. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask uh, Melanie to read the 12 steps. Mel? Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Made a search, number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thanks so much, Melanie. And now uh, I will ask our, uh, our Boston contingent, Janice B., would you read the 12 traditions? Yes. Thank you, Larry. This is Janice B. from Vermont. Oh, Used Vermont. to be from Boston. <laughs> Um, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Thank you, Janice. Okay, let me tell you how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone, except for Leah M, can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we resume our, our study of the big book on page 20, paragraph three, starting with how many times people have said. And let me ask Renata G to get us started. Take it away, Renata. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G, Recovered Compulsory Reader in New York. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. Sweet girl. I should think he would stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him, but there he is, all lit up again. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. 
Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. And, uh, you know, I, I love this part of the big book because it makes it so clear, you know, the difference between the real compulsive overeater and the normal eater. And, uh, you know, where it says here the moderate drinkers, I would read that as, you know, a normal eater. And so, you know, just, uh, you know, for some background here, like, you know, why people don't understand, you know, my behavior with food. Because all they saw, all they could see is that, you know, what the food was doing to me, right? That I was miserable and withdrawing and depressed and overweight and, um, you know, having suicidal thoughts. And, uh, you know, they couldn't understand that because food didn't do for them, doesn't do for them what it does for me. For me, you know, in my mind, I could only see what the food was doing for me, which was, you know, release from care and boredom or, you know, anxiety. But all of that was very, very temporary. It would last like a minute or two, and then I was back in my misery. But my mind, because of mental obsession, would always convince me that that was my solution, you know. And so, you know, I like to use an example of, like, uh, shopping. You know, I am a moderate drinker when it comes to shopping. It gives me some relief. You know, uh, I enjoy it. It's entertaining. Uh, I, you know, I feel elated when I'm shopping. It's, it, 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 you know, gives me an effect. But I don't have a mental obsession about it. You know, whenever I spend too much money on shopping, for example, I just stop. I don't have any trouble stopping. Why? Because I'm a moderate drinker when it comes to shopping. But with the food, I could never do that. With the food was never my choice. You know, depending on how much uh, willpower I could gather, maybe I could go on a diet for, I don't know, two weeks, a month. But then when that mental obsession hit, that's it. I was doomed. I was doomed to pick up that first bite over and over and over again. I had no choice. And so, you know, it's... um, you know, the, the, the thing here for me, what, which makes the difference is, do I have the power of choice if I'm going to eat or not? And I didn't. So that proves to me that I'm not a moderate drinker. I'm a real compulsive breeder. With that, I pass. Thanks. Renata, thanks so much uh, for your share. So now we're going to Open it up to uh, to three minutes. Shares. Who would, who wants to get us uh, started here? Okay. This is Bella. Can I share? Melissa Singh and Suzanne K. Okay. okay. I have. Uh, let's see. I got got you, Stacy. Here's what I have. I have. Um, I think Suzanne popped in there first, uh, and then I have Bella, and then why don't we follow it up with Melissa and then Stacy. And let's let's get started there. So why don't we, uh, Suzanne? Would you kick it off for us here? Thank you, Larry. It's Suzanne Kay, and thank you everybody for being here. Um, 
thanks for your service and Larry, I love uh you know, just as a as a little thought about the humor going on this morning with the intros and everything, like we can have fun in this process too. Uh, it's not all dread and doom. Actually, it is the opposite. So thank you for that. And this paragraph really, really speaks to me, and I, I'm sure for a lot of us on the line. I'm, this is what I've heard all my life. Why can't you, from family members, why can't you just do this and have one of this and what is going on? And even family members would show me, would try to show me, here, try this, take a bite, chew it, and now spit it out. Therefore, it's not going in your body, and you won't you won't want to eat it. And I I chuckle because you know I have family members that I consider earthlings. They don't have a problem. They're not addicts. They're not compulsive eaters. They can have the one or two and take it or leave it. And that is not me. Um, I was watching an ad this morning. Uh, yesterday, Oprah was on about Weight Watchers, and you we all know we've tried. For me, at least, I've tried everything. I was even a spokesperson for Weight Watchers. I did an exercise video for them when I was on program with them, however I gained the weight back. But when she was mentioning, let's have the best body we can this year, I know that you want the best body. And I'm thinking to myself, this is people, there are people that, you know, can do that program because she says, don't, you can have whatever you want this year. And it's like for me, no, no, no. One is too many, a thousand, never enough. I have to not put that substance into my body. And I'm very grateful for the few days of abstinence that I've achieved. And thank you to everybody for uh, being so supportive of me. And with that, I continue to listen and learn every day. I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Suzanne. Bella, Bella, your turn. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. And I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. Wow. It's so beautiful because before I came to the program, yes, I did all those comments and I was so angry, upset, disappointed, and jealous, and you name it. I was full of these not comfortable feelings, and I believed them. I believed them, and I, I was in a, in a stage of judging and blaming, blaming others, blaming myself. I was miserable. And the the worst thing is, was that I believed to all those comments, and I believed that why I am so different than others, why I am I cannot stick to all the diets, why I cannot keep my weight down. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. Today I am in the program, and yes. We are all human, and, you know, we are not the same, and people don't understand. And, yes, I am also, I don't understand everything, and I cannot, I cannot judge and blame. And, you know, I am not responsible for other people's behavior and thinking and responding. I can be... I, I can I, I am responsible 
only on myself. And yes, today, thank you, God, I am not a people pleaser. And I don't want to be, the, you know, to prove my existence. Today, thank you, God, it's okay. You don't have to understand me. You don't have to understand what, what I am going through. Today, I know I am connected to God. I am connected to a loving and accepting power. Thank you, God, that today you trust me and I learn to trust myself too. Thank you for, for sharing and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Appreciate that. Just a friendly reminder, as much for myself as for anyone, because I need this reminder, um, to refrain from outside issues. Uh, to refrain from bringing in outside issues, Larry. Okay, and with that, um, Melissa, Melissa, you're up. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa, compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, this idea of moderate, you know, average, moderate, it, it, that was something that was so appealing to me for so long. I really wanted to be that moderate eater. Um, to be able to eat like other people, to have a few extra bites or, or a treat every now and then, and then be able to put it away and get on, you know, and be normal. And um, that is not me, you know. And um, I worked with someone years ago who um, had shared with me, probably in an effort to help me, um, that she at one time had been overweight, and but it was years before I had met her, and she even showed me some of her fat pictures, you know, as, as evidence. And she told me that um, she learned, you know, she lost X number of pounds, and she never gained it back, and she learned that um, she could eat anything, but she only had one bite of it. And so she said she would have any dessert she wanted, because she discovered that the first bite was just as good as the last bite, and so she only had the first bite. And I laugh. Like, today when I think about that, I laugh, because she thought that that was some useful information. And I think I did, too, at the moment. But I have no ability to have that one bite. And I don't want the one bite. I want all of it. I want all of it, um, you know, and I don't want all of it. You know, that's... That's the sad part is that I needed all of it. I couldn't help but have all of it, and I didn't want to do that. And, um, you know, and also through the years, I've heard, you know, all sorts of logical reasons um, to get me to put the food down, to get me to eat like other people. You know, look at you've got a beautiful face. You've got a beautiful family. Look at your husband. You're so smart. You've got, you know, all these wonderful reasons why it would make no sense for me to continue to eat the way I ate. And yet I could not stop. I was powerless mm. to this thing because I'm not a moderate eater. And the solution wasn't going to come from Weight Watchers or an exercise plan or good advice from coworkers. The only solution for me has been in the steps and, and it has been in forming a, relationship and an access to the power, you know, that exists outside of myself. My higher power has been the only thing that has 
allowed me to have any peace with the food. And there is no moderation. You know, my alcohol is food I needed to be separated from completely. And if I think for a second that this problem isn't as bad as I might be making it out to be, I only, you know, really need to look at myself, at the, the history of what I've done, um, you know, and, and unfortunately there's others around me in my life that I love dearly, and, um, and I see the disease running rampant in them, and, um, you know, I put it in prayer, and uh, for myself as well, thank you that I passed. Time is on our side. Thanks, Melissa. I appreciate that. Okay, Stacy, you're up. Good morning. This is Stacy T. calling from Cleveland. I'm a compulsive reader in recovery. Thanks for your service again, Larry. And there's so much. I can be heard, yeah? Hello? Indeed, indeed. Yes, you can. You're doing great. Very good. Thank you so much. So there's uh, several pieces in here. Um, Some of it is looking through the rearview mirror um, from where I am today. And it's both part of the story and part of, um, for me, what some of the things that happened to me when I came to my first few OA meetings in, in 1990, um, before I really was able to crack open this big book through a vision for you and my big book sponsor. And so <clears throat> I knew that I had a problem because everyone told me I did, even though my physical body didn't really manifest that. Um, the way that I was eating and needing um, and craving um, certain substances, like sugar, for example, um, I felt out of control. And I knew that in third grade. That I knew that. Um, and I heard all of the things that are mentioned in in these paragraphs about why don't I quit? Why don't I um if I don't have enough willpower, I heard it all. And what that did was to continue smashing down my self-worth and self-esteem and my belief that there was a solution. I had that point, not knowing anything, of course, about the big book, I knew there was a problem and I didn't know there was a solution. The only solution I thought that I had was um, a higher power of... um, refraining of trying to use self-will and self-will as we'll find as we move forward um, has run riot in my life and then that takes me to my very first in the beginning my first OA meetings when you know sometimes our meetings are healthier than not and the truth is usually just spoken as clear as day in the big book and in the big book meetings that we go to if we do or open AA meetings or whatever other meetings that use, this is their primary book. And my first sponsor, I remember calling in my food, and I told her that for dinner I had an ice cream cone. And she said, oh, that's fine. I'm abstinent. Now, that is absolutely crazy. That's that's crazy. But that was really my experience. So the other piece I'm going to close with is that, you know, go to your meeting If you've got some recovery, go to your meeting. Bring the message of hope. Bring the solution. Tell people that there is hope because there is. There is hope from this uh, seemingly hopeless condition. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, So, again, just a reminder, we're, uh, we're going to be sharing on the fifth paragraph on page 20. Who else would like to uh, share? 
Rakesha D. Asa. Tina S. Tina S. Okay, Tina, I got you, Elaine. Nancy R. Okay, let me tell you. And Amy Jean, let me tell you who I have right now before anyone else pops in here. So I have Rakesset, I got Vasa, Tina, Elaine, Nancy R, and Amy G. Why don't we go with those for right now? And let's start with the wonderful, magnificent Rakesset. Rakesset, you're up. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for your service. Um, what I learned a long time ago was that when somebody says why, what they're really saying is, I don't like it. So when a kid asks their parents, why can't I go outside to play? What he's really saying is, I don't like it that I can't go outside to play. And when somebody in my family says to me, why do you have to eat a dozen donuts? What they're really saying to me is, I don't like it that you eat a dozen donuts. Why can't you eat just one? They don't like it that I can't eat just one. And you know what? I don't like it either. And I don't know the answer to why, why, why. If I knew the answer, it would be maybe possible to find a solution other than this, but I don't. I don't. It's a disease. It's a disease, and you can't ask the disease why, why, why. So I don't have to be asked why anymore because I know my answer, and I'm not eating compulsively anymore. And people don't have to... In code, tell me, I don't like the way you eat. I don't like the way you look. You know, I think you're a fat slob. You know, I don't have to hear that anymore, and I don't have to hear it in code. Even if they don't come right out and say it, they just say, why? Why do you have to eat so much? And so it's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure to have been able to find a solution, a spiritual solution, to find God. I found God in this program when I came in, and that is what, that is what, uh, you know, has carried me. That's what made me go to recovery, my relationship with God. And it doesn't matter why, why, why. It doesn't matter anymore. And I don't like to use that word why when I when I talk to people either because what I'm really saying too is I don't like it that, you know, dot, dot, dot. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rakesit. Vasa, where are you? Vasa? Ovasa, press star one. Sorry, thank you, Larry. Okay, I can hear you now, sure. And I am a grateful recovered compulsive Vita calling from Florida. This is a good paragraph, uh, you know, even the paragraph before those. You know, I mean, I got all the suggestions how to, you know, what to do and how to put the food down. And mostly it was, well, if you only have... You just need a little bit more willpower to do it for people that did not have my disease. Well, I didn't understand my disease. I didn't understand the allergy. I did understand the mental obsession because I couldn't stop about obsessing about eating certain things. So I understood that, but I did not that I could stop, you know, with God's help. And I'm so grateful that, again, I was led in this uh, program I, I thank God, and I, you know, thank God for the people that have designed this uh, this beautiful, beautiful book, you know, the solution. And I remember thinking, am I a moderate drinker or am I a, um, a real alcoholic? Am I a hard drinker? 
you know, I was probably born with disease. You know, I, you know, in the old country, I was very thin because we didn't have all the sugar and stuff we have here. I think I really crossed when I was like 14, 15 years old when we came to this country. I gained 20 pounds in one month, you know. My aunt took us to stop and shop, bought all these goodies, and, I, you know, and that's when it really started. And I tried to control it for 25 years of my life, and I tried everything, you know, but gradually the weight was just creeping up and creeping up. I think for me it was crossing when I just gave into it anymore. You know, it was like a few years, you know, I don't know how long before I found the program, it was, you know, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I just, that's when I crossed all the way. I wasn't even trying to control it anymore. So, and then thank God I came here and heard the solution. And I didn't understand. I understood a little bit about uh, alcohol or drugs, but I understand. I understood when I could, I relate to them with the obsession and compulsion. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Tina, you're up, Thanks, Tina. Larry. Sure. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic from Florida. Wow. You know, uh, he could stop if he wanted to. You know, uh, this isn't, isn't really, you know, my experience. My experience is that I am a compulsive eater, but I can remember growing up and people saying that about my mother. You know, uh, she could stop if she wanted to. She could lose weight if she wanted to. And, and the truth of the matter was, at times she did. You know, she was either 300 pounds or she was 90, and she also had a mental illness. And they said the same thing about that. You know, she could just get out of bed or, you know, whatever it was. And, and you know, it, oh, it really pains me when I think about stuff like that because I can remember thinking, not thinking that same way. You know, I didn't think that same way. I thought that, you know, she couldn't stop. You know, she couldn't get out of bed. And that's because, you know, I could relate. And, um, and you know, today, and it says, you know, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding, you know, lack of knowledge and failure to understand. And, and that's just the truth. And still today, some members of my family still do not understand. But the good news about that is, you know, I've been absent for a period of time, one day at a time, that they know what I eat and what I don't eat. And, you know, they have other stuff too, but they also can accommodate me. You know, now I need to put my needs out there, and they just do. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that I have a solution today, one day at a time. If I don't pick up those uh, alcoholic foods for me, you know, I don't get that off to the races. And, um you know, I'm just really, really grateful, grateful for this line and for everybody on it. And um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. And now a refrain from Elaine. Elaine, you're up. Thank you, Larry. This is Elaine B. in Massachusetts. Gratefully recovered. Thank you for a solution, God. <laughs> um, yes, just reflecting back over you know, my history and the holidays and, you know, boy, oh boy, loved ones telling me over and over again <laughs> from their places of ignorance and misunderstanding, um, you know, oh yeah, even when in program, we have what you need, we're going to give you just what you need. You know, they just really didn't understand. I remember being with one loved one who you know, I think it was a scare tactic. Oh, you'll never get married because you're obese. 
you know, it didn't scare me out of the food. It scared me more into the food, which, of course, was my solution for dealing with pain and rejection and so many things. Of course, it wasn't the solution at all. The solution for me is in this book. It was never found in a box or a bag. And I love this opportunity for us to identify in. I recall being with one loved one that uh, we went shopping and they didn't, they didn't just buy one, they bought one pound. And they didn't just buy one pound, they bought three pounds. And then they bought three gallons. And, then, and I'm just thinking, whoa, my eyeballs were popping. And because I'm putting myself in their shoes, if I was buying that, they would all be gone within a day or two. But you know what? Their reactions were very, very different than mine. I cannot compare myself to others. I need to find people who understand my disease, my compulsion. One of the programs I was in was that said, if you suck one M&M at a time very slowly, then you can just get away with having two or three. And I'm like, yeah, I can suck one pound at a time or two very slowly. But uh, <laughs> so I am a compulsive overeater. And even though I was in the room maintaining a 100-pound uh, weight loss and didn't understand the allergy of the body, when I started putting that in my mouth, um, the whole time I was in there working a program to the best of my ability, trying to get through the steps, the disease was doing push-ups in the parking lot. And when I, I was using a very slow process, and when somebody gave me the instructions for the fear inventory, my sponsor, I knew it would take another year to do. And I just decided, uh, God and I can handle this. I'm going to try another way. Thank God he dragged me to, back into the room, put me in touch with this phone meeting, got me a sponsor, got me recovered. And this year, the holidays were so different. Even though I was surrounded by all of these things and people who said, I understand what you eat. I know how to take care of myself. And this year, it wasn't about the food. I had better connections with human beings than I've probably ever had in any holiday in my whole life. This is the solution. With that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Nancy, Nancy R., your turn. Hi, can I, can I be heard? You can always be heard, Nancy. You're oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Larry. Uh, good morning, family. My name is Nancy Ara. I'm a grateful, compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God and the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, this section really speaks loudly to me. It answered a lifelong question why I couldn't be like my father. Uh, my father was a distinguished clergyman whom I idolized. He was also extremely overweight. Uh, when I was a kid, he weighed over 300 pounds. And when I was 12 years old, he had a massive heart attack. Uh, he was given a diet, and he followed it until the day he died. And uh, I, I, I thought I could do the same. I mean, I tried so hard to do the same thing. And I would always ask myself, you know, why can't I be like Dad? You know, he... Uh, even the, I remember once the doctor looked at me and said, and I, it was a rhetorical question, uh, you can follow a diet, can't you, can't you? And I meekly said yes, and deep in my heart I knew that I couldn't because I had tried so many times. And he just gave me a, a sheet of paper, a mimeograph or a, a sheet of paper back in those days, 
And uh, I wanted to, and I tried to, and I wanted to do like my dad did, and I never understood why I didn't have the willpower that uh, my father had. He would not eat anything off of his uh, food plan because he always said he wanted living was more important to him than eating. And coming into these rooms and studying the big books, this lifelong uh, question was solved. My father wasn't a compulsive overeater. It finally hit me. He he was an overeater. He was one of those heavy eaters. But uh, his daughter passed over the threshold, and I uh, am a compulsive overeater. I have no choice in the matter. Uh, God made us differently, and I am who I am. Today, I'm happy for the knowledge of what I am and what I have to do uh, to stay out of the food, and I'm grateful. I truly am because it's led me uh, not just out of the food but into a way of life that's infinitely better than anything I could have imagined. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate that. Amy, what you going to do? Amy G, you're up. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Larry. <laughs> no laughing. No laughing. My favorite song. <laughs> um, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry, so much for your service. Uh, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So grateful to have a few minutes on the line here with you all. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving it up, giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. In my humble opinion, what are they doing here in the big book here? They are describing what the moderate drinker is, and for me the moderate eater, and then what the heavy drinker is, and then what the real alcoholic is going to be like, and what the real compulsive overeater to be like. And for me, this is important to understand the stark contrast between what is a true alcoholic and compulsive overeater, and what are the moderate and the heavy ones. And that's not always easy to discern. And they are smashing home and asking us questions. Am I truly a compulsive overeater? Can I take it or leave it alone? Am I heavy or am I a compulsive overeater? These are questions. We talk about it on page, they talk about it on page 30 in More About Alcoholism. alcoholism. We learn that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. So, you know, they say belief precedes action. If I'm to believe that I am a compulsive overeater, I have to understand what is a compulsive overeater. I have to understand the nature, the fatal nature of my malady, of my disease, and then concede to my innermost self and believe that this is who I am. So they are smashing home in multiple different ways, asking questions, describing in stark contrast of a moderate drinker. Take it or leave it alone? Say, what? That was not my case. I can tell you that. If we go ahead to page 22, if I could just sneak ahead a little bit, it says, why does he behave like this? And I guess when I see questions in the big book, I like to ask those questions of myself. Why do I behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown that one drink means another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, why is it that I take the one bite or one drink? Why can't I stay on the water wagon or away from the buffet table? What has become the common sense and willpower that has sometimes displayed in respect to all other matters? I mean, I could be a PhD. I'm a college graduate. I'm an articulate woman. I, you know, I, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I do all these other things with massive amounts of willpower, but when it comes to food, I could not 
stop from starting, and I couldn't stop once I started. The stark contrast between me and the moderate and the heavy drinker is that deadly second aspect of my disease, which is the mental obsession. And it talks about it in step one. We have warped our minds. I have warped my mind with such destructive eating that only an act of providence, an act of God, a higher power greater than myself, can restore me to sanity. And I believe, once I believe that, I had no problem grabbing onto this program like my life depended upon it because it did. I knew that I had put myself beyond human aid, and I believe that to be the case today. I'm recovered one day at a time by the grace of God in these 12 steps. The solution is here. I believe it to be the case for me as a compulsive overeater. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Hey, we're going to put it out there for our last call. Last call here. Who wants to Lindsay, Rachel Rachel oh, my goodness. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> I heard Lindsay. I heard Rachel. Did I hear Janice? Yeah, James. And ja- James, no men allowed. No, Leia. James, you're up. And Leah, not of the M variety, but the S variety, right? Okay, let's go with that. Let's go with uh, Lindsay, Rachel, Janice, James, and Leah. Lindsay, you're up. Okay, uh, good morning, um, listeners. Uh, this is Lindsay from New Hampshire in recovery. And um, I, I love this. Um, I hadn't really thought about this in these terms before, but today I have one of those little epiphanies. And, you know, moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. And the person that was always doing the, the frothy emotional appeal was me. My family, very interestingly, I started using food at, at such a young age, um, probably around three, and, and, and often couldn't go to bed without it under my pillow. But it was all in secret. My family never knew. We were the family of looking good and, and pretty much thin genes, if you like, you know, that they didn't show on my body until I reached, reached puberty. And... Um, I would go to my family knowing that I had a problem and it would be, no, 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 you know, you're lovely and you've got pretty face and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And I knew, and I would do that frothy emotional appeal and I was able to have it show on my body in a very moderate way. I never was, um, you know, so, so overweight that I was totally embarrassing to my family. And so um, I continued to do it in, in secret because I couldn't, there for people to see how I ate. It was really amazing that I gained, um, you know, I didn't gain more weight. And so for me, it's always been about as long as I can make it look like a, a moderate little bit of weight gain, um, then somehow then I'm not the real thing. And so for, for many, many years, even, you know, in program, coming in to program in 1980 and would come in and out, to me it was, was um, you haven't been significantly overweight for probably, uh, you know, 25, 30 years. There was always the same five, ten pounds gaining, losing, gaining, losing. And of course, we know, we learn in these, in these rooms, it's not about the weight. But for me, that way, it kept it moderate. And of course, it's not about the weight, it's about my thinking. And I am sick indeed, and so glad today that I understand the nature of my disease. And today, I am willing to do whatever it takes. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Rachel, jump on board. You're up. Hi, good morning. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Reader, uh, calling from New York. So grateful to be here. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the more, some of the more comical moments in this program, I don't know about you guys, but for me is, is those times that I thought I was being moderate. You know, I thought I could just, like, handle this. And I realized that um, my disease, I mean, I've been in this program for, for many years, 16 years, and 
I've had a lot of different experiences, and I've come to this uh, this realization. And 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 vision for you really catapulted my recovery in such an incredible way. But you know, I I, I found that it's not really doesn't really have anything to do with the food. That really, I have a disease of the mind that makes me think I can do anything moderately. Um, and really, it's it's all about getting in touch with that reality. And you know, I, just this past um weekend, you know, I had the realization of when Harlan was, I don't mean to make this turn this into the Harlan show, but when he shared, it was so, um, it was fantastic as usual. And, and one thing he said about the Reese's, uh, you know, be, you know, going into uh, Reese's um, addiction or whatever. And I, I was thinking that that's me, you know, that, that was me. I can't believe he mentioned that. Like I was doing the exact same thing. But then when he mentioned the method of getting out of the disease, the method of recovery, I thought to myself, you know, if I can relate to him that way, I can certainly relate to everything that he's saying and carry that message of what he's saying as well. And that is that it really has nothing to do with the food. It has, it has everything to do with the realization that I live in stories. My mind can go in different places where I could think I could be doing anything moderately at all. And really, I can't. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. It, 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 it's about taking these steps into my life, into every arena of my life. Because what I've seen is it, it eventually, you know, it doesn't, if you're in this program long enough and life tests you in different ways, it, it, you see it's really nothing about the food. It's about so many other things that can crop up and, um, and I find myself being addicted to that, you know, a different behavior or something. And, um, and, but the solution is always there. It's always going back to that, you know, the unmanageability, pulling it through the steps and coming out, you know, living in a different way, living in the opposite way. And, and that's what I, what I really um, came to realize is that the only difference between someone who speaks on a special edition, you know, on a Sunday and someone who's listening right now that's in the food, as, as I used to be, the only difference are the actions that that person shows to take that morning. That's really the only difference, the actions of coming into the steps and, and making it such a part of my life that really the food is such a non-issue. It's more just about living in those steps. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks so much, Rachel. Now, please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Janice B. Janice? <laughs> How's that? Good. It's wonderful. But this is Janice M. <laughs> oh, Janice, Janice M. Janice. Potato, M potato. That's all right, my friend. Okay, my name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. All right, moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if if they have good reason to they can take it or leave it alone well i always wanted to be a moderate eater that's what i was fighting for years and years and years trying to find and trying to beat this game trying to figure out <laughs> how to become a moderate eater and uh you know some people never find the solution or know the problem, and they eat until they die. Well, I suffered and suffered and suffered because I wanted to conquer my disease. Well, what really is my disease? I'm a compulsive overeater, and the thing that the, 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 the underlying uh, problem was that when I pick up that particular substance, my reaction internally, which that substance creates a phenomenon of craving. I'm going to say it again. That's how I'm different from the normal eater. Um, I am 
I, when I pick up that donut or pick up whatever substance it is, it creates in me a phenomenon of craving. Now, and I didn't want, you know, I knew that would happen, and I thought, well, you know, it craves once in a while, and I can stop. And I could do that, you know, in the beginning, if I had reason to, if I had a boyfriend, you know, or if I was going on vacation, I had to get in a bathing suit, or if the doctor said, you know, Janice, you're, you're going to get diabetes, you know, you're on the line, and I'd say, oh, okay, get me a dietitian, and I would do it for about a week, because the other part of my problem would enter my mind, and I had a strong willpower, <laughs> believe you me, very strong, that was the problem, but the thing is, I couldn't, I couldn't stay stopped because of, the, of my mind telling me, go back to that thing now, go back to that thing for whatever it was doing for me, right? So we have to, this is, you know, this is the test. This is what I always wanted to be, was a moderate eater, so I could have my cake and eat it too, right? But I have to be honest with myself. I can't find a solution until I, until I know what the problem is. And when I say phenomenon of craving, I was powerless over what that substance did inside my body, inside my body. And then I could never leave it entirely because of the obsession. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Janice. Okay, James, you're up, James. Hey, yo, James, press star one. We can't hear you. Good morning. This is James. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Sure. Pleasure meeting meeting you for the first time. (laughs) Hey, um, um, I just I want to drill down on the on on the read here. It says the doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. Um, but um, he's all lit up again. Now these are commonplace observations on drinkers. We hear all the time. The back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. We see these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. And um, I just 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 wanted to focus in on that particular portion, and you know, I I have a a real tendency for me personally to think about um, you know I don't necessarily go tracing off to doctors. I pretty much keep them at arm's length reach. I don't really do the the recommended doctor stuff that um, is recommended for people who are past the age of fifty. But nevertheless, um, I'm I I have a an ability to self-diagnose myself, and not to say I trust that, but I just want to talk about that. I can tell, um, I have a sense when there's something wrong. Um, I have a sense when, you know, I don't, in other words, I just want to say, yeah, a doctor can tell me that if I continue in this path, I continue in this journey, I continue in the way and the the lifestyle and the attitude and the the resentments and the compulsive behavior, if I continue in this will, I'm going to die. Yeah. Well, I already know that already within me, so the doctor's not going to be able to tell me anything that I don't already sense within me. So there's a difference between the outward um, recommendation versus the inward recommendation. And I will tell you that I have so, I'm so appreciative for the program that it's really opened the door for understanding the, the God that's working within my life that's just directing and guiding me of, of, of how to put down, how to release, and how to let go. Um, it's, it's a sense of, of, of not necessarily just being right or self-justified, but it's more of a sense of saying, okay, I know when I'm out of course. I know when I'm not there. Um, I, I, I can tell, you know, you, you have to understand when I'm, when I'm in my own plans and my own solutions, 
there's a lot of collateral damage, um, whether it's relationships, whether they're professional or unprofessional, known or unknown. And to make a better description of that, you know, there, there's people I'm in a relationship with, including my wife, that at any given time, something unpredictable will go off, and here I am. And a lot of that has to do with just the, just, just the, the drunkenness, the cloud, the, 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 the sickness for what it is, and how it represents itself. And then there's there's the there's the unintended collateral damage. I'm standing at a you know a grocery line and I'm frustrated. Um, something that is, a conversation that's going on ahead of me and I'm prejudging it, don't understand it because I stepped in the middle of a conversation, and I'm I'm not necessarily rude to the cashier, but I'm not giving her any opportunity of seeing any hope or anything that I I believe to be of any compassion or mercy for um, what I may have understood. So. There's there's a lot of collateral damage. I've left a lot of wreckage in the past, and I have the ability of, of doing it now if, in fact, I don't stay in this program to the degree that I, it's prescribed and, and to the degree that, that God is, is, is assigning for me. Um, I have basically no or little capacity to serve. I just Friendly reminder, James, time. Oh, it is? Wow. Hey, hey brevity. Brevity, I, baby. I, I'm still learning that lesson. I hear it. I hear it. Um, listen, I just, I, I want to, I just want to wrap up by just saying, you know, this, 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 um, this inside recommendation or this inward knowledge that we have, um, it, it's powerful. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, James. Thanks for your share, and the magnificent Leah. Leah, you're up. Oh my goodness! Thank you so much, Larry. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I am Leah S., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And until I did not take this book to study, to really study, I did not understand. I did not identify in. And there is so much identification in, in this book. And what this book is telling me and what this program is teaching me is that I have to own up and I have to start taking responsibility for myself in a certain way, in a certain way facing myself. This is who I am. This is what I am. And I just want to piggy in on on what our previous um, speaker, the speaker spoke about about um, if even if the doctor told him that he's going to drink and he's going to kill himself, even if the doctor tells me I'm going to develop diabetes because my parents had diabetes or 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 heart disease or whatever you have you I have no idea but you know I didn't identify that was my parents that's not me. And when I identified in, and when I can understand that this kind of behavior that is being described in these paragraphs and taking responsibility, that's when I could accept everything about it, accept the power that is greater than me, that is going to help me with this, and 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 then um, admit that 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 everything that they're saying that it is true it's so interesting how yes i can identify with this and i can identify with that and i can't really really take responsibility so i share it with god this book has given me 
so many, so many promises and so many changes, more than I could ever, ever have dreamed of or wanted of. And thank you. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Leah. Thanks, everyone. And Michelle H., we're going to wrap this up. Would you read page 164 from the big book? Yes, good morning, Larry. Good morning. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle, um, in Missouri Recovered, Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.